You're tuned in to the Lone Star Lowdown, your favorite sports podcast where we're talking professional, college, and fantasy sports with your hosts, Ty Henderson, Shay Holt, and Corey Guidry. And we're back with the Lone Star Lowdown. It's Ty, Shay, and Corey here uh, bringing you all things sports from around the leagues, the NFL, college football. We're going to have some Major League Baseball talk this evening. Um, before we start, just remember we're uh, on Twitter at Lone Star LD and on Instagram at the Lone Star Lowdown. Also, check us out at the Lone Star Lowdown on TikTok. Um, we're gonna get into first some NFL talk, uh, preview uh, Week Five, recap Week Four, talk some Cowboys, and of course it's Texas OU week, so we'll be talking a lot about that here later on. And we've also got some Major League Baseball playoff matchups to uh, kind of give a rundown on. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we're going to get right into gridiron gossip, talking a little NFL here. Uh, first things first, big story from the week, uh, Tua Tugavailoa getting hurt in Thursday night football against the Bengals. Uh, what uh, you know? What did y'all see? What do y'all think about it? Obviously, there was the um, you know uh, the the controversy because he appeared to be hurt against the Buffalo Bills uh, last week or in week three. And then was trotted out Thursday night football to play and ultimately got a what appeared to be a severe concussion, was taken to the hospital during the game. Um, you know, what y'all see? What do y'all think about it? What do y'all think the league the league's response is? Uh well, I mean, it the story going into that game, like you said, was the neck ankle injury that he sustained in the week uh previous the previous week. Uh that was clearly a concussion. I mean, I've I'm sure we've all banged our heads uh, in our lives, and we know what that looks like and feels like. Uh, so there was some question already going into the, the matchup. Uh, who did they play in that game? Was the it Bengals. The Bengals, yeah, on Thursday night. And, I mean, I had to look away from the screen when that happened. That was vicious. It was bad. With his hands throwing up gang signs like that. It was like a UFC. I know you said that. That happens a lot in the UFC, but... That's just something you never want to see on the football field. I thought that he was not going to ever be able to walk again after seeing that. And it's um, I'm surprised that he is even ever he's even considering playing football again. He's out this week, uh, but the NFLPA's uh, what is it? The investigator, the individual, or what is it called? Arbitrator? No, no. It's like the it's a third party doctor or whatever. The person that clears people for concussions. Um, the guy that cleared him after that first injury got terminated, fired. Um, so that's good. But, I, I mean, this is something that's never really going to – we know this is a dangerous sport, but when something that happens like this, you should not play again, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I was surprised they let him out there. Uh, he clearly was concussed against the Bills. He was stumbling and, um, you know, not able to walk. But at the end of the day, if you're the Miami Dolphins – whether they or the NFL hires the third-party doctor, that doctor's supposed to be hired for a reason. So if he comes through and tells you that he's cleared to play, it's like, well, what, what do you not listen to him? So I kind of understand from their point, obviously the optics are very well, bad. But it, Is it on Tua, too? I, I mean, I feel like part of the blame is him, the head coach, because he's the last line of defense on these kind of things. Well, the thought process is it's like the players are always going to want to play, and it was confirmed that Tua told him, like, I want to play. 
but you can't let them make that decision at the end of the day. You, you have to have someone to kind of protect them from themselves, I think. But I do think, like, you know, if he can have the adequate recovery time, like, he will be able to play again because it looked bad, you know, with the, the whole hands thing. But at the end of the day, it wasn't a spinal nerve injury from what I understand. Whoa. Like the way that Shazier had, right, where he, like, can't – it was just a concussion. Like, he was basically knocked out. brain bleeding. Yeah. And that had already He's been bleeding for a week. He basically, you know, took a shot right hand from Mike Tyson <laughs> – you know what I mean? And then I mean, he, that was he had to back, get up. It, the thing that scared me about it, Shay, is the, the back of the head hitting the ground that hard. You know, it's not one of these to-the-temple knockouts. It, it wasn't even like a helmet-to-helmet no, uh, incident. It was just hitting the ground. It was the earth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've all been watching football a long time. Uh, I can think of, like, Brett Favre getting slammed against the ground and banging his head up real good. I think that was maybe the thing that finally broke his streak of consecutive games started. Um, I want to uh, step back just a little bit and talk about the context of this, um, because why there's it was a it was a perfect storm for the NFL uh, as far as you know everybody seeing that video of him stumbling in the Buffalo Bills game, continuing to play, not even really missing much time, not going in a medical tent, and then um, you know having that big time matchup against you know the defending AFC champion. Uh, Bengals, you know, they're wearing the the white stripe uniforms with the first home game in Cincinnati, big time primetime Thursday night game. And, you know, up until that point, nobody had really seen Miami on a national stage like they played the Bills. But like that game wasn't broadcast in my market. I didn't get to watch that whole game. I saw the 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 wobbling after the fact. Um, but what I really want to stress is despite that, which obviously is a bad look look for the NFL because they were supposed to have that independent investigation by the NFL PA into what occurred with him going back into that game. The hit, uh, or like the slam down really that Josh, uh, Tupu or Tupuo, whatever his name is, put onto a tug of Iloa would have injured anybody like the violence. And you know, the, the, was he penalized on that play? Uh, I don't think so. I don't believe so because I don't think it was a dirty play. Yeah. I just think that the way Tua was slammed down and the way that that occurred, I don't care what happened the week prior. I don't care who this is. Like, that hit is liable well, to hurt anybody. The, the week prior, having a concussion it's already... Not a good look. It's not no, a good No, no, but look. having a concussion already, already makes you more... Uh, what's the word? Susceptible. Susceptible. That is true as well. To get a, another concussion. And if, you're, if your brain's recovering, it's it's not like he can take the hits he could before. And it's more risky. I'm just saying that the that that vicious hit, it was it, you know, it could have been anybody. Like the fact that it was Tua, the fact that that had already come out. That's what I'm saying. Perfect storm, and that you know, I do think we'll see some sort of like, uh, you know. Um, response by the NFL. Obviously, a, a, a team doctor has been fired, and I was listening no, about no, these team doctors. He wasn't even a team doctor. He was, he was a third party clearer, you know, not yeah. really. But but like apparently, there's a lot of fishiness with this team doctor shit. Like apparently, a lot of times, doctors will pay a team to be either the team doctor or this person that you know can come in and do this, almost just, just for, for them credibility. To be able to, yeah. uh, it's not like a. It's not as you know airtight as you would hope it would be. For the NFL. Now that being said, you know it's really uh, sad to see Tua get hurt. I mean, they were three and zero. Obviously, you know, in a big time Thursday matchup, you're going on national television. You got a new head coach. Uh, you know, you're trying to like have a cultural shift. You brought in Tyree Kill. I mean, Tua is having a great year. Through four games, he had 
eight touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, 1,035 yards, uh, 69.9 completion percentage, and a 77.8 QBR. That's not the best in the league, but he was having a great year. I mean, you know, you have a couple great games in national television in prime time. You're talking about an MVP candidate, especially with a team that's rolling. Now, obviously, all that came crashing down in the second quarter of that game, and now they'll have to move forward with Teddy Bridgewater. But, um, you know. When do you expect him to play if he does play? Uh, I, expect, I know he's out this week officially, but. I expect him to keep him out uh, a couple weeks. I mean, basically just to where he's ultimately cleared. I mean, we've seen bad concussion cases. I remember uh, Case Keenum in college had uh, some very severe, like, um, repetitive concussions that kept him out long periods of time. And, um, you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't know to his condition. Obviously, the the visual aspect looked really bad. Like, yeah. I don't want to I don't want to understate that. I don't, you know, think he should be rushed back. I'm not sure if he should have been playing or not. But, you know, ultimately for me, I see that hit and, you know, that like the not not launch angle, but just the angle of just you know the the physics of it, and, and I'm speed. like that would have that would have fucked anybody. Oh, I up. mean, I I couldn't watch the re- I watched the replay like twice, and I, I was sitting on this couch where we're sitting right now, and I had to look the other way. It was and I it was I, violent. Oh man! All right, but let's move on to some more quarterbacks in the league. Uh, rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett uh, was put in the game in the second half this week for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he didn't have a ball touch the ground. But he did have three interceptions. But if if you watch the game, they a lot of they weren't even on him. They, a lot I mean, w- two were on the receivers. Yeah, one, one was on Claypool, who as a rookie can't, comes in the league, scores God, nine he touchdowns. Sucks now. And you think like maybe this is gonna be like one of the good receivers in the league, and no, he, he has just not been good. They throw he's on like basically a jump ball. Pickett puts it perfectly where he can high point it against a, like a five foot eleven safety, and the safety gets the ball before him, tips it up in there, and it's intercepted. Yeah. Like you got to go make a play for your rookie quarterback there. I know. I thought it, I just I had to mention it mention it because I thought it was funny. He didn't have any balls touch the ground because of what it was three interceptions and in one half. Tomlin said that uh, they're moving with him moving yeah, forward. Yeah, so as well. he he will be starting this game versus the Bills on Sunday. The Bills opened up at f- as fourteen point favorites in this game, which you rarely see a line that large in the nfl uh yeah the yep. full 14 yeah no you you rarely even see 10 so 14's a lot so y'all have any expect expectations uh for picking this first start do you think they keep it close where, where it's in buffalo uh i believe it i yeah. believe it'd be in buffalo um keep it uh i think you know they're gonna try to you know, protect them as much as they can, you know, play the Steelers way where they run the ball a lot, play defense. I think he offers more upside than a Trubisky uh, in the passing game because they're just – they have weapons, but they just haven't been explosive enough. Um, and you saw Pickett take some shots down the field, even though it didn't really work out. But uh, rookie George Pickens got involved more. Yeah, so, he had like 100 yards, 100 plus Yeah, yards. he's a very talented receiver. You really so, like him, yeah, I mean he's a he's an awesome player. Deontay dude. Johnson, every game he has like an incredible catch. They have weapons. They have sick weapons, yeah. Uh, and that defense is good too. It's at this point, it's been the offensive line and and the quarterback. Yeah, I uh, am not going to sit here and tell you I expect the Steelers to go in to Buffalo and beat the Bills, who are obviously very hot. Uh, I believe they're three and one with a very close loss to a very good Dolphins team when they still had to a. Uh, and in that game, they kind of just ran out of time. But I, yeah, I don't like the fourteen-point line. I think the Steelers could, you know, keep it closer yeah, than no, that. I, I would bet I, on that to cover. 
Yeah, like I just you know even lines, if it's ten. Yeah, like I'm. I never you know I never pick on like money line when it's that high to like for the other team to win, but uh, I don't think it'll be fourteen. I think uh, I don't know this picket guy. Uh, came in against the Jets, uh, you know, had 120 yards, three interceptions, and mop-up duty. No, they um, were in that. It wasn't really mop-up duty. They were in that game to the very end. The Jets drove down the field, and Zach Wilson won that game. Well, I just mean that they brought him in, not as a starter. Like, oh, you just know. to clean things up. Yeah, I got Yeah, you. like just, you know, and, and yeah, obviously create a lot of turnovers. But, yeah, no, it was a, it was a three-point game. That was a good game, though. I don't know Zach if, Wilson in that game. He actually looked good, and so did Brees Hall. Scored the game when touchdown, uh, rookie. But Garrett Wilson. Did you all see the the vibe at, uh, what is it? Three, it's, it's not Three Rivers Stadium anymore. Heinz Field. What what it's is it? It's not Heinz Field. Anymore. Yeah, they've changed it like so many times. It's, uh, a, it's a it's like a you know like a bank. Finals. Anyway, the yeah. Pittsburgh fans were loving them some Kenny Pickett. He came well, in, ran a QB sneak, and you would have thought yeah. they just made the biggest play well, of the game. He's a hometown boy, and so, they were chanting his name. So guys, I don't know if you remember, but I had some pretty strong uh, predictions about. Mitch Trubisky this year. You thought he'd have a good year. <laughs> he still could. I mean, he could come back he, in. I did. did he had a ball last week uh, that that almost touchdown catch by Deonta Johnson in the back of the end zone where his foot was like barely on the line. But it he has some good throws. It just it looks like he's he's playing it too safe. He's doing the old Hudson card where he's taking that check down every single time, and they just cannot move the ball with with not not being able to take shots downfield. Yeah, just uh, you know, shrinking the field and you know, defenses just being able to come up and play. Them. Yeah, and, yeah. Even with all the weapons we've talked about between you know the Najes and the three three pretty good receivers, Johnson, Claypool, and Pickens. I know Claypool isn't as good as advertised, but he had zero points in fantasy this week. Well, that's fine. I mean, I picked him up nine touchdowns his rookie year. Well, guess what? Four of those were in like one fucking game, and uh, so you know, we, I don't think Claypool was ever the the high flyer he was he was sold to us as but i but think as, he's a, a, as a third option at receiver i think that's great what a, well in fantasy he had he had value because he rushes the ball they run him on those jet sweeps and stuff all the time but those aren't even working this year they i think they stopped running those after week one and they ran them like four or five times bottom line i think they have five players on the team from running back tight end and three receivers that are all quality starters um, not maybe in fantasy, but at least uh, on an NFL agree. football yeah. field. So, um, yeah, if they can protect this picket kid and uh, he can distribute the ball well. And sometimes, I mean, you know, Tomlin's a great coach. Sometimes you just need a spark. And he's and Tomlin's dealt with quarterback controversy before. Um, big uh, Ben Roethlisberger was hurt uh, very often. They had to come in with a backup. And, they, you know, they, whether that was Byron Leftwich or whoever it was, whether it was Mason Rudolph. Yeah, whoever it was, you know, it wasn't like the Steelers were – inept yeah. um they you know they play a tough game they do have a good defense i think they can be all right they're still missing uh watt on the defensive line right yeah, uh, yeah no, he's yeah. he's out for a while well yeah but he's not out for the whole season he'll be out for like at least another month and a half oh uh, well i mean i'm just saying they're missing a few pieces and i think that they can put it together they're one and three right now um they're playing in a division that isn't you know uh or maybe even Cleveland might be the best team. Ooh, Ravens. The Ravens look good on offense, but they just don't have any defensive uh, secondary pieces, doesn't seem. Well, hopefully, I mean, Kyle Hamilton hasn't looked very good. He can't cover, though. He's like more no, of like well, a he, run he can cover, style but player. He, he can't be left one-on-one. He can't play man coverage to if, save his life. Yeah, I mean, if you got any receivers playing the Ravens this year in fantasy, you're starting them auto. auto yeah, start. but he's also had a few good plays. 
Uh, but let's move on to Russell Wilson. Uh, the Broncos. What are they? Two and That's two, right. two, three and one. They have, they have a way I better. I think they're record. two and two. Yeah, it's a better record than what their play would suggest. They've their offense has just been abysmal to this point. Through four games, Russell Wilson has 980 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, uh, 61.1 passing completion percentage. Uh, he's been sacked 12 times and has a 44.9 QBR, which is That's the bad. most concerning one. I mean, the four touchdowns, the one pick, the 1,000 yards, 61% is not great, but the 12 sacks and uh, the 44.9 are just like some terrible numbers to see. I don't even really know how to calculate well, this, QBR. This is Mr. Unlimited, guys. He calls himself Mr. Unlimited. It's looking like you're a bit a bit limited, Russ. Uh I know it's a new team, new schemes, new players for him, but at this point I expected I, – I didn't expect more, but I know that I picked him to finish last in this division. I knew I had a feeling this was going to happen. He's getting a little bit older, but I feel like the media and the general consensus was that this Broncos team was going to be a serious contender this year with the addition of Russell Wilson um, with all the weapons they have on offense, and it's just not been working. Yeah, um, I think that could have been miscalculated a bit for sure as far as them being a serious contender. I know I picked them. Uh, Their to, defense is for real. Yeah, I picked them to be a wild card team. I thought they'd come in second. The Chiefs would win the division. And I was kind of low on the Chargers compared to the average, which might have looked good, but they, you know, they're 2-2 two and two The as whole well. division is really... How about the NFC East actually has a better divisional record than the AFC West, who's the greatest division of all time. But anyway. It's 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 early. <laughs> it's early. It's early. Um man, uh the Broncos have obviously had their struggles um offensively. Another team with a lot of uh pieces all around the field, you know, several quality receivers, a good running back. They lost Javante Williams uh this week, which is gonna be a big blow going forward. Uh we'll see how they fill that in. Well uh, I imagine Melvin Gordon will um you know see more usage, but I also imagine they'll bring in somebody else to kind of shoulder that load. Cause I don't see Melvin Gordon being a bell cow at this point in his career. They signed uh, Latavius Murray already off the Saints practice squad. So. Yeah, I would I wouldn't be surprised if it's a fifty fifty split like you know straight up between those two guys and as far as touches go. Melvin Gordon has fumbled in his last four games at least once. Yeah he's he's got a nose for the end zone when you get to the goal line but he's you know just he's also a bit older at this he, point. Exactly what I mean creeping up to thirty, you he, know probably He's on his second squad, and yeah, I just I don't expect him to to like carry you in fantasy. I don't think he's the fantasy pickup. Are you talking about Russell Wilson still? Melvin Gordon. We're uh, talking about the Broncos. No, he fumbles the fucking. Uh, sorry, yeah. I walked out. Everyone, I'm sure y'all have already no, said this. No, no, no. Yeah, he's fumbled like Corey said. I guess in every each of his last four, four games. games, he has four fumbles this year. So uh, that's obviously rough, and that might be a big part of why the Broncos have struggled. But um, let's look at their schedule real quick. I mean, a one point loss, an emotional game against Seattle, which, you know, that field goal goes in and they win. And, you know, obviously we've already talked about the decision to kick that field goal, which I think 63 yards. Uh, you know, a decent little seven-point win against Houston, uh, a gritty one-point win against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, that was a Sunday night football game. And then last week they lost in Vegas to a desperate Raiders game. I think that's the point there, too, like – the Raiders had to win that game. Well, or their I, season was absolutely over. Are the Broncos not desperate too, though? I mean, offensively, they are. Well, the Raiders were the only 0-3 team coming in, making the playoffs last year, home game against a divisional rival. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, yeah, that's, no, a, that's a big game. It was definitely a bigger game for them, but I, I felt that both teams had something to prove in that game. I, I feel like, um, my bad, Jay, but I feel like Russ started to cook at the end of that Raiders game, if you were watching. I mean, he, he ended up, 
you know, having his biggest statistical day um, of the season. So maybe you're starting to see the offense get a bit of a rhythm. I'm not saying they're – He's too small. Look at – Well, he's well, four more points in that game than they did in any other yeah, affair. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're out on Russell Wilson at this point, like, I get you. I'm not going to be out on him yet. Um, I've seen him make unbelievable plays. You still in the think league. he's unlimited? No, I never thought he was unlimited, to be Look, fair. <laughs> the, uh, the Broncos have a big-time matchup this Thursday night, tomorrow, against the Colts. It's a home game, okay, Battle of the Horses. And then they'll have another Monday, they'll have a Monday night game on October 17th. Um, so, you know, a long week there. It's going to be a shitter game tomorrow with no Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I got Denver in that game. No Javante Williams. I mean, it might oh god, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, we mentioned that already. Uh, but yeah, I'm just saying a couple prime time matchups where we're really gonna get. Obviously, we saw them on Monday night, we saw them on Sunday night, and they're getting a lot of prime time matchups. But these next two, I think, are gonna tell us a lot about the Broncos' season going forward. And you know, at this point, there's really no excuse for new system getting comfortable. At this point, especially losing Williams, it's it's time to you know put up or shut up for Russell Wilson. And um, I think I think we're going to learn a lot about how the season's going to go for them. All right. Well, how about the Eagles? They are the te- league's Boo. only undefeated team. Uh, Boo. They have not really played anyone, and all their games have been close except for the Minnesota game um, and the Commanders game. So I guess two two of them have been close. Two of them have not been. Uh, but there also has been two halves of football that the Eagles have not scored this this year. But that's enough hate from me. Jalen Hurts. He's doing a lot better than I expected, but he still only has four passing touchdowns this year to two interceptions. Uh, a little bit over 1,100 yards passing, 66.7% passing completion percentage, uh, and 60.7 QBR. Where he really does stand out is his 205 rushing yards on 53 attempts and four touchdowns on the ground. That's been the difference maker so far for the Eagles this year. Um but they've also taken 16 sacks, which is the most in the league, but their defense is currently second in sacks to the Cowboys with 12 total. I think uh, some of those sacks you could probably put on the quarterback as well. Um, I, I'd still I, – I, he's getting all this love right now, and I I still don't see it when I watch them play. Yeah, Um. as far as, like, MVP talks and all that thing, I don't think – you know, I think he, you're going to see a bit of coming back to earth. Maybe they figure out how to play him a little bit. Um, he's, he's rushing the ball over 10 times a game. So is well, that, they're gonna figure is that, that sustainable? Out. They're gonna figure. They're that gonna out. figure out how to contain. And also, them. let's just remember that most of these stats came against the Detroit Lions, who have possibly one of the worst defenses I've ever seen in the NFL. The Commanders as well. Yes, and um, I mean it's let's let's see them do it against the Cowboys defense. That's what I'm saying. Uh, one of the only I think of like a handful of teams who hasn't allowed 20 points this yeah, year. Yeah, I, I don't know if the Cowboys will win that game at the link in in two weeks. Um, I, I honestly hope we if Dak Prescott isn't 100 percent, we'll we'll get to this later. But if Dak Prescott isn't 100 percent. I don't want to play in that game. But I want to see what I'm looking for in that game is Jalen Hurts. Can he do what he's been doing against these terrible defenses against the Cowboys pass rush and Trevon Diggs and the Cowboys secondary that has looked fantastic up until this year at this point in this year? Well, if we want to stay on the Eagles before we get to Dallas, um they got a 325 afternoon window against the Cardinals, um, who have not looked good on defense defensively either this or year. They've offensive. been terrible. Um, so it could be another day for Hurts to put up big numbers uh, and just cr- keep building that hype. Like I don't, I don't really know if I see it ending this week as far as him just putting up huge hey, numbers. And uh, back-to-back weeks that Kyler Murray will be facing another Oklahoma quarterback. Last week it was Baker Mayfield, and this week it is Jalen Hurts. 
But I don't. Were they ever teammates? They were never teammates. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield were for a year. Yeah, he probably would have been behind him for one season or something yeah, like that. I think so. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking at this Eagles team and I see a team that plays pretty good defense for the most part. Obviously, they've let up a lot of points to both Jacksonville and especially to Detroit early on this year. That was the first game of the year. I'm not putting too much into that because the Lions look like they can score points and Jacksonville also looks like a pretty pretty improved team um and Jalen Hurts has a lot of weapons around him uh Devonta Smith AJ Brown Dallas Goddard uh but Miles Sanders I mean let's talk about him for a second third in the league 356 rushing yards um you know that's that's a, a good I mean Miles Sanders you know the Eagles have had kind of a varied rushing attack and they have run the ball very well especially you know as you mentioned 205 yards for Jalen Hurts so you know they're doing it a lot on the ground and um, I think that's good for Hurts because I think you know even though he's had a good year so far he still struggles they're still hiding he's, some, some he's of still the parts of his game yeah I, I, he struggles throwing the ball on the run that's what I've noticed and um, you know like when he gets Pushed out of the pocket. Yes, takes a lot of sacks. That's definitely a consequence of their gameplay and, you know, just using him the way they do. Uh, but, you know, I think you can get past a lot of that and still be a really good team, even if your quarterback has some deficiencies. If you can just make up with that, yes, like, th you know, through running the ball effectively and not asking him to do too much. And then when you do ask him to go above and beyond, having um really quality receivers in Smith and Brown. Yeah, and, to the, and help last him out. year they didn't have I mean they had Devonta Smith last year but he was As a, a rookie a rookie with defense is king on him cuz he was the only guy. Uh but let's move on to the Cowboys corner. I think that's what we what's let's, let's call it that. It used to be Corey's Cowboy corner. I like that. Cowboys corner. I like them both. Um but Cooper Rush man 4 and 0 as the Dallas Cowboys starting quarterback 3 and 0 this season. Through four games, he has a 60.8 completion percentage, 737 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions, and 95.9 QBR. So, yeah, like, look, at well, Jalen Hurts has a 60.7 QBR, and that takes into account a lot a lot of the different things besides uh, situational football. It's, yeah. it's, more about, it's more about, like, efficiency when you get down to that. Yeah, and, and, like, and Cooper Rush, let's, let's be honest, he should probably have at least two interceptions on there that have been blatant drops by the defense. But he's been getting the job done, man. This fucking defense of the Cowboys is like nothing I've ever seen in my life watching the Cowboys. It's it's amazing. It's fun. They fly around. Micah man. Parsons is quickly becoming one of the best defenders in the league, if not the best. I would argue that him, TJ Watt, and Aaron Donald are the top three right now. Um, and there's just a lot of things that I'm liking when three weeks ago after that Buccaneers game when we recorded, me and Corey were down in the dumps and I gotta say thank you to Shay for he being completely right. He was right. You can't that. take that away. Um, and getting us back into it on the show, I my morale was he he raised it a lot. So I appreciate that, Shay. Yeah, I mean, I uh, obviously Dak Prescott got injured in that game, and they couldn't do a lot. But neither could the Bucks. And yeah, yeah, I saw a really great pass rush. Um, I saw a lot of things. I thought those secondary receivers and you know Noah Brown. Um, I thought I liked him coming out of the gate. I thought that Zeke and Pollard both looked good, and I think all those things uh, have been continued. And um, you know, now getting Gallup back, I he think that adds a lot. 
Um, and you know, yeah, Cooper Rush. I, you know, uh, I don't think he's setting the world on fire, but the dude's only taken four sacks, and that's with guys like you know Tyron Smith. Be, I mean, is he going to be out all year? I'm not uh, sure. Well, he's looking at like a week eleven. A banged week up 12. offensive line. Tyler his hamstring Smith. was disattached yeah. from his it, bone. It's so like a like, it's like a two and a half month thing. Tyler yeah. Smith. If you would have told me that Tyler Smith was going to outplay the seventh overall pick, Evan Neal. Over the first few weeks, after watching both of their college films, I would have told you, you don't know football. Evan Neal looks like dog shit. Evan Neal's getting beat left and right, and Tyler Smith is just out there. The technique is is not perfect, but he's such a freak athlete. He really reminds you of Tyron in a way. He can be out of position, but he's so strong that he just gets him back. That play a few weeks ago on that screen where he ran out and... Did you, do y'all know yeah, what I'm talking I, I, about? Against the Giants. You know what I'm talking yeah. about, Shay? Uh, yeah, I do. He think got I out, and about. there was a DB out there, and he just clipped him. Like, it, it, he went flying, and then he hit another guy. At ba- the play bounced for, like, 25, 30 yards. So, I think it was a to- that Tony Pollard run. But he, he's been great. Terrence Steele holding it down on the right side. Um, even Fairnock and, and Connor McGovern have – I mean, they've been the – the low point of the offensive line, considering that Farinock is our backup center. Farniak, but Farniak it doesn't I mean, matter. It, it does not matter. He's our yeah. He, he won't be there uh, for long. But uh, these are guys, and Jason Peters even he's getting in the mix a little bit, getting the game shape. Uh, the, his first play against the Giants, they sprung a big run. Um, one thing that is concerning to me going into this week is long snapper Jake McQuaid uh, is was gone sent to the IR. Done for the rest of the year. He had a Taurus triceps, um, and they signed. I don't even know who they signed. They signed two deep snappers to the practice squad this week. So I guess I'm guessing they're going to elevate one of those guys on uh, Sunday morning. But that's something this special teams unit has impressed too. We thought Brett Maher was going to be an issue. I don't know how. I mean, it's messing up that chemistry with a different long snapper is something of, of concern for me. Yeah. Um, let me talk about Cooper Rush a little bit while we're on this topic. Uh, you know, when I watch him, I see um, if Dak, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, Dak needs to watch Cooper Rush. The only thing in my eyes that Dak does sometimes that kind of hinders him is he gets a bit greedy and he just he'll take he'll make bad decisions at he times receivers and down. he'll 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 try to force something when it doesn't need to be forced. And when you're watching the way that this team can win playing great defense, you don't need to give those turnovers, you know, for short field position. It'd almost be better to, you know, kind of do what Cooper Rush d- does, maybe take the check down, maybe maybe take the first or second read and not try to make the big play. So, But it's but as this season progresses, you know, Cooper Rush threw for 220 yards and two touchdowns. Like, that's decent, yeah, but... it's enough it's to not, get the job done. It, it's not explosive enough in this league, in my opinion. Like, we're going to need Dak to come back to be able to make those explosive plays in critical times, but... As far as playing the Rams, I don't. The Rams do not impress me this year, man. I got to tell you, like their offensive line, they can't run the ball. They haven't been able to run the ball all year. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball against Dallas. I think Matthew Stafford's going to be under a lot of pressure against Dallas. I, I would two or three sacks at least. They're they're having a bit of trouble replacing Whitworth on that left side. Um, so it's in L.A. They're coming off a loss. They're still a good team with good players. So. I'm not sure what the spread is, but I, I think it's three. Yeah, um, Cowboys plus three. I, I still think Dallas has a really good chance to win this game um, if Cooper Rush can keep doing what he's doing. Obviously, if Dak was playing, I would feel better. But I agree that I don't want him back until he is fully healthy. 
All right. Well, Shay, you got anything before we get out of here on the segment? Yeah, I mean, I just want to um, reinforce that, yeah, I don't think Cooper Rush is nearly maybe as talented as Dak Prescott, and maybe Dak Prescott does hurt himself uh, trying to do too much with the football sometimes. Uh, I don't think there's any real debate that you've got a better quarterback in Dak that needs to come back at the point that he's fully healthy. You certainly don't rush him back. Um I think Cooper Rush, I think it's always great to have a, a great second option at quarterback. Um, I don't think controversy has really entered the mix again. They had a, Prescott played one game this year. If Prescott comes back and really struggles, then maybe there's a controversy after three or four games. You could talk about it. Um, but, uh, you know, I think Prescott was primed to have a really good year. I think the Cowboys have a lot of weapons around him. Uh, obviously, um, you know, losing Amari Cooper, uh, the offense had to kind of Work that work that out, but they're running the ball well. They're playing great defense. I don't think you need a lot from your quarterback in that situation. And um, yeah, I, as far as this Rams game goes, I think they're going to get after Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's leading the league in interceptions. He's got six on the year. Uh, he led the league last year with twenty. Um, I think that the, it'll be a you know big day for the Cowboys defense. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another defensive uh, touchdown against the Rams this week, um, just based on the fact that he's going to be under pressure and trying to force the ball to a receiving core that outside of Cooper Cup really just has not stood up this year. Trayvon Diggs has looked great this year as well for all his detractors. Yeah. Interception, two straight games. And C.D. Lamb has finally started to come along. I thought he had a slow start to the year, dropped some balls, but he, he's starting to, you know, starting to catch the ball when he needs to be. Ever since that egregious drop against the Giants, which was basically like he, it was like as soon as that dropped happened. Since then, he's just took it to the next level because it could have went two ways after that. But uh, C.D.'s, you know, he's been uh, he's been balling for sure. And one last point I have uh, before we are done with the Cowboys corner and gridiron gossip is that Kellen Moore needs to call the game like he's calling like the way he's calling the game for Cooper Rush, he needs to call it the exact yeah, same way don't, when don't switch it up. back. He doesn't need to get all pass happy again. This team is built to run the ball, controlled control the time of possession and let your defense play. That's how we're gonna win games this year and that's how teams win Super Bowls. Agreed. Uh, but that's it for Gridiron Gossip and Cowboys Corner. We'll be right back with Diamonds and Wood. Welcome back to the Lone Star Lowdown. We got some MLB diamonds and wood. Aaron Judge, he did it. He did it. He broke the AL record that no one cares about, and that was interrupting interrupting our college football on Saturdays. No more double screen. What do you guys think? I that was so annoying to me, especially trying to watch the college football. And it's not even like. It's the MLB record. Like, it's just the Yankees record. I guess you said it's the AL record as well. well. Yeah. Well, no, okay. it's the AL record. Okay, well, fair enough. 62, you know, that's that's great feat and all, but, like, you know, I don't care that much personally. It was pretty annoying when I was trying to watch uh, Texas versus Tech, but. Yeah, no, I, I, I could give less of a shit. Um, 
Yeah, it uh, it really just did piss. Sorry to interrupt you. It just pissed me off that it was against the Rangers because so now for the rest of inter- eternity we're gonna have to see that highlight video. And that was also the uh, most people at a Rangers game this entire season was last night. Oh, I bet everybody wanted to you know go s- to possibly see that hit. There were only like three games left, I think, and you know you didn't know if he, he had tied the record. And honestly, that I feel like was a bigger deal when he tied it. Like people act like he'd broken the record once he tied it, and then you know. It was kind of like they, I don't like the media didn't care if he was going to break it or not, as long as he got there. And uh, Roger Maris, I believe it was 1961, been a long time since anybody in the American League has, you know, approached that number. Obviously, nobody's ever hit that many except Aaron Judge. Uh, and we'll see if he can put a few more on it here at the end of the year, maybe protect it a bit. Um, a couple things I want to say. Obviously, Obviously, we've seen a lot, uh, several players, um, you know, uh, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds, all hit. Uh, significantly more home runs than that. Sammy Sosa had three seasons where he had mid-60 home runs. He was also um, that, juicing. Though. That's insane. Yeah, but, you know. We so don't is everyone to, else. We don't have to, you know, and the pitchers were. We don't have to go totally into the whole juicing scenario. It's just a matter of what it is. Um, here, here's, a, here's a quick little stat for you. Um, so Barry Bonds hit 73, right? What do you think his second highest number was ever? 71? I don't know. No. What 65? Do you, what no, do you think it was? It was probably like 53. 49. What? So he just had this one year. Like, I don't know what happened in 2001. Like, I don't know if it was, you he, know. He didn't get walked, like, at all that year. No, no, no. He got walked way more than Aaron Judge did. I think. Yeah, he got, he got walked more. He was more efficient hitting home runs Aaron than Judge, Judge was. Like, Aaron Judge has only walked, like, 20-something times this entire year. Well, all ba- Well, basically, all I'm trying to get out of this is, like, this one anomaly season where a dude jacks like more than 20 more than he ever does any other given season. Uh, you know, like, what's the possibility that we see a guy break 73? We don't, unless they start juicing balls, which they did last year. It was pretty evident. And everyone was pissed about it, though. Or- yeah, because it's just like you're, you can't just change a game just because your ratings are down. And you want to make things more exciting. You need to do it a legit, legitimate way to where it's not you're not trying to sneak behind fans' backs. Well, but all kinds of things are changing in baseball very radically, I would say, between the shift being yeah. eliminated, the bases well, no. being lengthened, the wild cards being expanded. There's a lot we could get into with that that I don't think we're trying to today. Also, the stadium the judge is playing in is a glorified Little League park. I mean, like it's the smallest stadium in the entire league, so... A lot of those balls that he hit wouldn't be out in uh, other places. So y'all don't give any chance that I'm not talking about Aaron Judge. I'm just talking about anybody getting to a number like pushing 70. I mean, it's it's so unlikely. If it was going to be anyone, it would be maybe one of these some of these young sluggers coming up, like a O'Neill Cruz or like a Julio Rodriguez or maybe Soto in a few years. But like 70, 73 is just astronomical amount of home I mean, runs. That's- Almost hitting a home run, one home run every other game, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, like that's that is insane, really. Oh yeah, I don't deny. I'm just saying that Barry Bonds did it and never ever came close to it any other fucking year. I don't know if he was just extra juiced the fuck <laughs> up that year. Like I don't know what the what the like uh, like the explanation for that is, but like yeah, like Sammy Sosa has like three seasons with like 64, 66, 65. Like did it three times. And Barry Bonds never had another year where he got 50. And he was a, a little bit older later in his career when he did it, too. 
Yeah, I mean, 2001, I mean... Yeah, he was in his 30s then, I'm sure. And, I mean, Barry Bonds had a whole, like, section of his career where he, he was wasn't... He like, face-stealing and... Yeah, he wasn't Barry Bonds that you think of right now. I mean, 2001, he played until 2007, but started playing in 1986. I mean, that's fucking 15 years <laughs> in, and you clock 73. Uh, you know, it's it's an anomaly. Um, you know, but, yeah, it was it was... He hit mid forties several times and hit forty nine. Obviously, he's the um, all time all time leader. leader by a pretty decent margin. I know they added some uh, Negro League home runs to Hank Aaron's record, and that kind of pushed him a little closer. But in reality, he's way above him. And those, I mean, I'm not trying to be controversial, but the Negro League uh, stats should not be counted as major league stats. They just shouldn't be. Um, they were not I, I in the professional league. Uh, I mean, you know, not that they should be discredited. That'd be like counting minor league stats. Exactly, exactly. Like, I mean, it's it's a debate we, again, don't need to get into. I just uh, i am trying to prove the point about Barry Bonds hitting so many more than both Hank Aaron and Babe Ruth and also Albert Pujols, who that, I think, was a much bigger race, like getting to 700, joining that club, especially when you have a guy like Barry Bonds, who, you know, like, you know, people aren't going to look at with as much um, – you know, credibility. Yeah. Like, you know, let's say you want to discount Barry Bonds. Like, so yeah. Joining a club with two other dudes in it that you respect and yeah, Babe and, Ruth. And, and it, there was a certain point this season where it did not look like he was going to get there. Oh yeah. He came in hot towards the end of the year and has just been slugging. Like, I think he should keep playing. Like he has got the production. Like any Miguel Cabrera's play, said he's playing again next year. He's trying to get there as well. Yeah, I think that I think that you know a guy like Albert Pujols, I don't think he would he has any chance of getting the record next year, but I definitely think he could. What's beat the record like? Seven hundred and forty something. Seven fifty three, I yeah. think. 50, I think it's about seven fifty three, something like that. Dude, yeah. Well, yeah. Why don't you just play another three two. years? Get it? Yeah. Dude, if you you're the all time home run leader in baseball, like he'd be a god. Well, he's also done steroids. Did he get popped? No, but it's heavily me, assumed. Me, me personally, it's I like don't David give a shit. I, I know people want to cry about it. I don't give a shit personally because I know how professional sports work. I've been around this. Come sh- on, like I've been 762, around, by I've, the way. I've been around this shit. I've seen high school athletes take you know gear. I know there's college athletes right now that you're watching on Saturday who are on performance enhancing drugs, NFL players, MLB so, players. It's all throughout the league. You can't, just because somebody you can't got caught also just and be someone like, didn't. I don't care. Hey, you know, I, I can though because I don't care. Couch sitting white guys definitely want to sit here and act like it's dishonorable, but I'll tell you what: if the difference between making millions of dollars playing a fucking game and you know being done after your high school career is just taking some fucking quote unquote performance enhancing drugs, whatever that looks like, whatever that is, you're gonna tell me you're gonna turn down the stardom, well, the money, the women I'm not associated I with I'm that? I'd be all a fucking over it. option. I mean, I can't. I don't know if I can blame these guys and i mean i think the whole steroid era um especially with all you know some other scandals that have come out in baseball i've you know with the with the pitching substances and with the stein stealing i think maybe that we're burying the steroid controversy a little bit i think it's becoming a little more acceptable i think people are starting to look back on that era and be like hey you know fuck it who really cares uh i feel like some of that old guard um, you know, purity of the game is dying, especially with the rule changes. And, you know, I think eventually we'll kind of just forget about it and it'll kind of be like spitball throwers, like, you know, all these badass pitchers from back in the day, but they were doing things that are totally illegal nowadays that would get you thrown out. Um, you know, I just think that there's an eroding there. Now, um, 
So if you, I don't think anybody's ever going to break 73, I don't think we really need to talk much more about no, the 62 we, we ordeal. We went a lot longer on that than I expected. But, but let's, let's just wrap, wrap up. Uh, we got the matchup for the Major League Baseball. Let's yeah, get we'll talking let's about just, it. Let's just run through these matchups real quick and get some predictions. Uh, so the Phillies, they got in the last spot in the NL. They'll be facing the St. Louis Cardinals. The aforementioned Albert Pujols. Pujols. Oh, my God. I can't talk today. Pujols. Pujols. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really funny last know, name if I you know. think about it. I know. Uh, I like St. Louis in that matchup. What about y'all? I'm I'm liking St. Louis. Um, you know, the Phillies fired their coach this year. It's kind of a Cinderella run to get into the playoffs. First time since I think 2009, maybe. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, uh, St. Louis. Um, they've they've been competing these last few years. Haven't broken through for a World Series berth, but they've been right there in the playoffs every year. Um, and it's. Just a really good baseball town. I think they got a good story this year. I think they're going to play the Braves in this next round. All right, uh, Corey. Yeah. No, nah, I mean y'all covered it. I, I, I'm going to go with St. Louis. You haven't been watching much baseball recently, have you? I mean, either yeah, no. <laughs> have I. I've been on. Once football season starts, oh, you know, I, was, I was. I definitely follow the Astros. I was watching well, baseball every day just because I was gambling. On yeah, it. I haven't. But po- I definitely since. am a big fan of postseason baseball, though. Yeah, no, me too. Uh, so we got San Diego and the New York Mets on the other side of the bracket, four and five seed. New York Mets are four. San Diego is five. Uh, f- San Diego, I feel like they're just letdowns in the postseason and in the regular season for the most part. I know the Mets slowed down in the second half of the year, but I still like their squad a little bit more. I'm going to give them the edge in that series. What is it? Like, what is it, two out of three in this weird first wild card round? I think it's one game. No, it can't be one game. It might. It's like a whole round, Corey. I'm 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 searching. I'm okay. searching. I think well, it's a two out of three until series until we hear. If it's, I I think, I think it's two out of three. Uh, it that's my one, It used to be one game. It's two out of three, and I'm really curious if it's a back and forth. Like, is it a you know home away home or like I wonder how they do that. Um, it's got to be. Or is it maybe just I mean fuck it might even be more fair to just be like it's a home series. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we aren't going back well, and forth. Well, think about that San Diego to New York in a matter going back and forth if you have to play three games three times in a matter of five days a week. That's just a significant disadvantage for a team like the Mets or St. Louis who won their fucking division. Like, if you win your goddamn division and you're telling me I had to go to Philadelphia in between this week, like, in, you know, a major league postseason series usually goes pretty quick. Like, it's usually every day with one day in between for travel. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I got it right here. There's no way they're traveling because it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back-to-back games. If they're in no way, they're Mets and Padres uh, – that's it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There, that's coast up. to coast. Like, there's Look no the way. Look up the schedule. I this think it's all. It has to be in San Diego. I mean, no. I mean, uh, the the New York. Seat. I meant. I meant New York. I don't think that's. Yeah, I'm interested to see how it goes. We're gonna learn. Baseball's trying something new here. I think New York has the starting pitching in Scherzer and uh, Degrom to win two games, but I think the sexier matchup in that second round against LA would be San Diego. Um, you know, kind of a toss up. I guess I'm gonna take the Mets, but I think I'd rather see San Diego. We got it right here. Um, Home series. Yeah, all the games are gonna be in. That's the only way to make this fair because it is not fair to put a division winner in this scenario like this. Like for the St. Louis Cardinals and for the uh, Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, the the difference of. I mean, I guess it is a wild card team. It's just Uh, it makes sense. It's just it just totally devalues the whole idea of a division. 
or a division winner. It does feel good to get the bye, though, when you are the top seed, though. So I'm not mad at that. All right. Well, now that we have that figured out, let's move over to the AL wild card. Uh, At the top of the bracket, we have the three-seeded Cleveland Guardians. Taking on Tampa Bay? Taking on Tampa Bay. The, the the first wild card or the second wild card in the AL. I like Tampa Bay's experience. Um, I think you know they could do. I think they can make a run here in the playoffs. I think they're going to beat the Guardians. I like their pitching staff. Um, you know, I like I like everything about them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Tampa Bay has a pitching advantage. Um, I would say the Guardians have a more of a youth explosive offense advantage when you talk about guys Speed. like yeah like Jose Ramirez who could really just blow up and hit a two home run game but um fastest, I'm gonna pick fastest team in the MLB. I I'm gonna pick um I'm gonna pick Cleveland in this in this series. All I got right. ta- I got Tampa. Uh, I think the the youth will work against them in the postseason and Tampa's been there. I know it's not the Tampa Bay Rays of old but I think they get past Cleveland to get uh, to that next series against uh, another AL East opponent and the New York Yankees, the two-seed. At the bottom of the bracket, we have the Seattle Mariners facing off against the four-seeded Toronto Blue Jays. I think it's going to be a tough series because Seattle's got to go basically coast-to-coast and play three games against the Blue Jays. Uh, I know that they're kind of an upstart that, I mean, I think they they cleared like a 20-year playoff drought uh, that's a good story. Um, you know, I think I, as an Astros fan, I'd rather see the Mariners because we're more familiar. We lost to the Blue Jays in the playoffs maybe six, seven years ago, something like that. Kind of a fall apart series. Either way, enough of all that. I think the Blue Jays are taking this series. Same here. I hate them because I'm a Rangers fan. Yeah. Yeah, I got the Blue Jays as well. They, they've looked good all year every time I've watched them. Uh, and the winner of that series, which is go into this next ALDS game. Uh, so... The winner of the Seattle-Toronto series will face off against the number one seeded Houston Astros, the best record in the MLB. Uh, man, this is this is all y'all. This is your team. Uh, you know, I don't want to like speculate too much um, against the team we don't. You know, against the matchup we don't have. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk a little bit about it before it starts. Yeah, but just um, go go off of. Your pick. We'll, we'll do it that way. Well, I mean, I think the Astros can take either of these teams with just the deep playoff experience. I think the American League, with it running through Houston, I think we're primed to make it back to the World Series with uh, with um, Verlander back in the fold. Uh, all of our young pitching has just continued to improve year in and year out. And uh, we replaced Carlos Correa pretty well with Pena. I, you know, we didn't lose a lot of production there and, you know, obviously saved in salary. Um, you know, as as far as things I'm worried about, just uh, you know, uh, getting rocked early and um, struggling from behind. Uh, I don't feel like we've played great from behind this year so far. Um, I haven't been able to watch or listen to all the Astros <laughs> coverage I would like to. I know that's been a theme throughout this season, uh, but you know, I do pay attention. I do you know check in on every game. I look at box scores and whatnot. Um, I think we're a good team. I think we still depend on the long ball a lot. It would be great if we can. It'd be great if we can, you know, uh, just kind of cr- uh, manufacture runs uh, with uh, getting men on base and then knocking them in, not leaving men on base. That's basically all I can. It would get be at. interesting uh, if Toronto does get through um, Seattle to see George Springer return to Houston. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be very, um, you know, emotional. I'm sure they'd, you know. I'm sure they would sell. They would. They would clap for him. I. I would think. I mean, we chose to sign him. Yeah, I'm sure that you know during like 
during like starting lineups uh, when the teams are coming out. Um, I I bet the Houston Astros famous dude dude hit fucking dude's like the one of the all-time home run leaders in the postseason was a pivotal part of winning that World Series. I mean George Springer left, but like ultimately. Uh, He's loved in Houston. Yeah, he was he was a very popular player, and yeah, I think everybody understands at this point, especially when you have a consistently winning franchise, that you can't keep everybody, and that that's just the way it is. I think he's probably more loved at this point than Correa even would be returning. Uh, uh, it was always more. Do y'all want to do y'all want to go ahead and do World Series matchups and winner picks? Um, I'm gonna take uh, Houston over uh, the Braves in a rematch. We have Verlander this time around. I think that's the difference in it. And how many games? Six. Okay, Houston six versus the Braves. Corey? I'm going to take Houston versus St. Louis. My Ooh. little dark horse pick there. Um, I like it. Uh, I'm going to go Houston Houston in uh, five games, though, because I think that at the end of the day, it's going to be a Cinderella run for the Cardinals, but they're going to meet the juggernaut of the MLB. And... Yeah, they're they're gonna lose miserably. So that's my pick. Get revenge off all those years from the NL Central. You know who? Boom, hey, you, know, ass. you know who Pujols has hit his most home runs against in his career? Is it Houston? It's like fucking seventy three against Houston, dude. That's funny. He used to smash Roy Oswalt probably back in the uh, day. Oh, they just R. fucking R. annihilated us. Um, so for my picks, I'm gonna pivot a little bit here, and I'm gonna take Toronto and L.A. and with L.A. winning the World Series in five games. All right, I like the you know I like the uh, against the grain. Well, I mean L.A. I think L.A. still hasn't won a real World Series since the '80s. Yeah, this this is true. But uh, all facts, they you got, know, they got the tools to do it. They definitely do, and they have uh, you know definitely some playoff experience. All right, well I think that will do it for diamonds and wood. What do y'all think? Got anything else? I'm good with it. We hadn't talked baseball a lot uh, uh, no, in the last been couple a while. weeks. That was that was a good. Good yeah, talk, it's gonna though. be a bit longer Better episode, but you know we're gonna we're gonna get into more baseball coming into the playoffs here in October. Uh, just going forward, I think we'll probably have a diamonds and wood segment each week and you know through the World Series. I would imagine playoff baseball is some of the best sports oh, on I television. I wish the Rangers were good, man. I'm telling you, it's I lo- used to love. There's plenty of room kid. over here on the Houston train, man. I mean, Fuck that Texas team. You know? I hate the Astros. Fair enough. You can probably tell that by my pick. Um, All right. Well, that does it. We'll be right back with uh, some college football talk and the 40-acre dash. And we're back with the Lone Star Lowdown. This is going to be the 40-acre dash. And, y'all, it's OU week. Red River rivalry, Red River shootout, Red River showdown, whatever the fuck you want to call it. We're playing Oklahoma this week, and the Horns are favored by seven. What do y'all think? Ah, oh, man. Uh, I, being favored by seven really scares me. It, we don't play well as the uh, as the favorite coming in usually, but this Oklahoma team looks pretty desperate they're most likely going to be missing their starting quarterback dylan gabriel um he was knocked out last week against tcu on a dirty play uh man we looked the horns looked a lot better last week the the whole the tech game really let me down but 
put, be, putting up points like we did against West Virginia and not completely imploding in the second half was a real step forward, and I have big expectations this week. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, uh, you know, first time these two teams are playing, uh, but that there isn't a ranked, you know, neither of them are ranked. I think since the '90s, 1998. Yeah, uh, so been a long time coming. Um, you know, Texas, uh, Oklahoma is almost always ranked in this matchup, usually a top ten, but uh, you know, a couple of big losses to Kansas State and then TCU, um, and they've fallen out of the rankings as well. Texas, I thought they looked good. I was at the game on Saturday. Um, thought they looked real well. Um, you know, they really incorporated Xavier Worthy uh, into the game He plan. wasn't dropping balls like he usually does. He was fucking passing touch <laughs> for touchdowns and shit. Not only hey, that, he- if you check out our TikTok, uh, I didn't leave it in. I might have to repost it with this part in it. But Shay uh, gets the touchdown, and I think in his excitement, this flown, his phone goes flying. You get a nice angle of the crowd with it going into the stands. Uh, I thought that was funny. Oh, it was it was hilarious. Uh, I'm yeah, I got some some decent footage from the game. Uh, Worthy had a just just to throw it out there, seven receptions, 119 yards, two receiving touchdowns, and a 33 yard passing touchdown. Uh, what was that? The Jatavian Sanders? Yeah, he had two touchdowns as well. Yeah, so um, you know, uh, getting our receivers incorporated into the game. Uh, I know Bijan had a I think a. Uh, 21 rushes, 101 yards, and a touchdown. I think he had a couple receptions for about 30 yards as well. They there. took him right out. Uh, they took him out right after he got 100. He, you could tell the coaching staff was trying to get him there. You know, he had, he doesn't really have much of a chance of that Heisman Trophy uh, as a running back. You really kind of have to. It kind of the stars have to align. You have to have a great year and hope that there's not any quarterbacks that are putting up big numbers. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not sure who's in the Heisman race. We'll have to take a look at that before we break that down. And it's kind of early in the year, but uh, I, you know, I was never high on the Bijan Heisman candidacy. I know he had a lot of, you know, the localized buzz was well, was there. There's no doubt that he is the best running back in the nation, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, you know, he's definitely one of them. I haven't, I haven't, I don't have a complete scope of all the running backs in it's college him, football. It's him, Deuce Vaughn, that that kid from Alabama, the transfer. Yeah, uh, Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think he's um, he's a great talent. I'm not trying to discredit him. I just um, you know, I never I never feel like I totally know because I'm I'm stuck. Yeah, I'm not, not, who, stuck who, who really knows? Yeah, I'm, the end. I'm watching Texas every week. They usually play during the same time that the best matchup is. Yeah, I uh, you know I I see very limited college football yeah, outside man, of the horns. Dude, by the time the Texas game is over on a Saturday, win or lose, unless there's a really good game on after. A lot of the times I'm, I'll have it on, but I am not locked in. You know, like that, the emotional roller coaster of a horns game will really, really take it out, for, take it out of me for the day, college football wise. Exactly. But, anyways. Um, but yeah, and uh, you know, Hudson Card, he had a good game too. He was 21 for 27, uh, 303 passing yards and three TDs. Um, you know, nothing, nothing really to complain about there. Uh, I thought the offense. You know, got got rolling. I thought they they started off hot, and um, you know they just they played a good game. There was I don't know if this West Virginia team is all that good, but uh, we not. we manhandled them, and um, you know you love to see that. I know there was a players only meeting this week. You know of yeah, you know, kind of regrouping. A lot of talk about that during the week. Totally, uh, kind of regrouping going into this matchup. You know. Really, you know, I guess if you're really looking at it, it's like, you know, we need to play well this week to be ready for Oklahoma because everybody knows that's what it's really about. Uh, forget about Alabama. You know, obviously, 
We could talk a lot about that. Forget about that big-time matchup going into the year. Forget about the Tech loss on the road. Um, this is really the only game you look at going into a year as far as like a, a must-win season-defining game um, that can really make or break a season. And, you know, let's be honest, Texas hasn't exactly dominated this matchup this last decade. No, and they control their destiny, their own destiny from this point on in the Big 12. Uh, you win this game, Oklahoma's 0-3. They're essentially out of the race to make it to the Big 12 championship. And in my opinion, it's Texas's conference to lose at that point. I know we still have to play Oklahoma State, who's undefeated, and Baylor, and these these teams that do have some talent. Kansas. I keep forgetting. Hey, the nat- the national championship runs through Kansas. It doesn't run through Lubbock. Like, do you all see that Joey McGuire sound last week? Where he was saying the the national championship runs through Lubbock, or just, yeah, like everything runs through Lubbock, and and he was just he was talking. What really pissed the Texas players off going to that West Virginia game, and I think the reason that players only meeting was held is because of those comments and the fact that uh, well, the, well, what he said was, is, I told you they would break. I told you they would break, like talking to his players in the locker room after the game. And he was right. And Texas has proven these coaches right on several occasions that they will break in the second half. And I'm not going to lie. We did get outscored 14 to three in the fourth quarter against West Virginia. Granted, there was a lot of backups in and, you know, Although we, although we are all, all gas, no brakes, the foot was taken off the pedal a little bit. Uh, I'm not too concerned about that. But this, I think these guys took that Tech game personally, and I expect them to go out on Saturday and win that football game by at least two touchdowns. I'd love to see it. Um, you know, again, this is, this is more often than not a very close football game. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, I can remember the last beatdown Oklahoma handed us, but it's been a while. It's been a very competitive um, you know, I'm thinking of like the, the four overtime game, even last year with the come from behind victory Oklahoma had against us. The last, you know, the, the Cameron Dicker field goal. Yeah, but hasn't that been quarterback play from Oklahoma? Kind of keeping them in the game and the, and the same from Texas in regards to Sam Ellinger keeping them in the game a few of those years. I think last year wasn't, it was more Texas choking. Oh, than, well, yeah, I mean, rank, Caleb Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caleb Williams. Um, did Rattler start that game? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the game he yeah, got yeah. benched. That's what I thought. PK, what I thought. that was one of the best showings from our defense coordinator, PK. Um, and really, them putting K- and Caleb Williams destroyed our entire game plan. And He's a very good player. That was so. a very good example of Texas taking uh, the foot off the gas in the second half and being far too conservative, which I think Sark has finally gotten his head and realized, like, hey, we're we're not gonna win these games like like we were talking with the Cowboys earlier, like how we were saying they need to win games. Texas is incapable of doing that. The college football is a different game. The Big Twelve is a still a high octane conference offensively. It's not what it used to be, but the, every team has the ability to put up 30, 40 points and a half. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking last year obviously gave up the twenty one point lead to Oklahoma. Kansas was up on us at twenty one points at one point. I think several times and we came back and lost that game on a fucking two-point <laughs> conversion. Uh, you know, so, like, they're back and forth. A college football game is a much different beast than uh, the NFL just based on how much longer it is with, you know, the clock stopping at their first downs and, you know, I, I honestly think more stoppage of play in general. But, um, yeah, uh, more rest, uh, more explosiveness, more mistakes. Anything can happen. Uh, and in this Texas OU game, yeah, uh, they're also, yeah, going to be on their backup quarterback, uh, hopefully. 
and we hadn't really talked about it. And hopefully, you know, we can get Ewers in the game. I know we've only seen about a, I guess, well, you know, a game against UL Monroe and about a quarter versus Alabama. We don't have a hey, huge sample space, but he looked, quarter. he looked great. <laughs> um, you know, we're really, we're really hitching our wagon to his star. And, um, you know, this would be a, like, if there's a reason that he hasn't been uh, prematurely forced back into the starting lineup, it's because they've been holding him out to be completely healthy for this week. I think that's exactly what it is. I and, think, and Hudson Card's been f- performing. Actively. I think since he went down, they were like, all right, can we get him back before OU? Like, that was the first thought in their mind. And then they, they kind of realized maybe we can get him back earlier. And you know how Sark is. He's so uh, noncommittal about don't, who's... Don't poke the bear. But, you know, I actually like that he does that. You know, why why tell the opponent? Like, make him game plan for yeah, both no, guys. It, all it really does is piss off the media. Yeah, mm-hmm. which, who cares? It's us, I guess, technically. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I but I like it. I think, um, I think Ewers... I mean, I obviously, they're so under the vest about everything. We don't know exactly where he's at. But if he is ready to go, I think he's going to go. And I think that's the right decision. I know a lot of Texas fans um, are happy with the way Hudson Card has played. And I, and I am too, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, his stat line looks very good if you're looking at it now. But when you actually watch the game... Um, a lot, a lot of these throws, you know, the ones he's hitting, or he hit a lot of wide open guys. You know, were these touchdown? That was pretty deep. One of them, he just, you know, it was a busted coverage. You're still seeing some missed deep balls. You're seeing a lot of missed. Like his, he only had uh, six incompletions, but a few of them were just to backs out of the backfield where he just makes a bad throw where they can convert to Roshan on a third down, a little wheel route. Well, he, and he, he just he doesn't have the touch that like a Ewers. He's not a natural thrower the way you were well you were still missing some of those throws too i think that's more of rust for him uh but hudson card he's never been a black guy that's going to push the ball down the field he's also not 100 percent healthy either yeah but, but so where are you at if yours is ready to go you oh, put him in yeah you know i don't like hudson card yeah Come on. I mean, he's been performing better than I expected. And he, it's the future of the program like yeah that's no, your guy on. this is a guy that's, that's guy. supposed to be starting for the next two years yeah um you know i just think that if we can have some element of a running quarterback, because if you look at OU's last two losses, and it's probably been a pretty good minute since Oklahoma lost three games in a row. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I would be willing to guess it's been more than 10 or 15 years at least. Uh, but if you look at it, the Adrian Martinez, uh, the Kansas State quarterback, he ran for 148 yards and four touchdowns. And then Max Dugan, uh, went for 116 last week, and TCU's win. So Oklahoma's obviously very susceptible to a rushing quarterback attack. And um, I know Hudson Card has a bit of mobility. I know he's had a bit of ankle trouble. I'm not really sure what Ewers can do. I'm just saying if we could have some element. Uh, we got Bijan, Shay. Yeah, Bijan needs 30 touches this game. Put some Dijon on it. Let's fucking, he's running for 200. I'm just saying that these last two teams that really kind of trounced OU, even though they weren't as bad at the end of the score, at the end of the game as they were during the middle, uh, they had mobile quarterbacks, and that's the way they attacked the OU defense. And, you know, Brent Venable's the defensive guy. It's bad uh, defense. His defense has been looking terrible. They were his DBs were tackling dudes in the end zone last week just because they were getting burned so bad just to save touchdowns. Next play, touchdown. I I think more the biggest thing to look at on the OU side of things this week is the fact that Dylan Gabriel's not going to play, most likely. He still hasn't said anything. He's at practice making throws, but after this whole two uh in concussion protocol, exactly what I was gonna like, say. It would be a real even if he 
you know, of course he's going to say he's good, but let's just be realistic here. If maybe two weeks ago he would play, but definitely not this week. The guys that they do have, they have a pit transfer uh, who played last week, Bevel, and he's like a 6'5", 6'6", pocket passer. Does not fit in the offense that they were trying to do with uh, Dylan Gabriel at all. And then they have my favorite name in college football, General Booty. We hadn't seen him yet. He got a lot of hype coming into the year. Yeah, I know. And uh, I mean, I'd I'd probably expect to see a little bit of General Booty on a Saturday. Neville, I think that's how you say his name. Uh, Bevel. Bevel. Yeah. Bevel. Davis. Like, Davis Bevel. Davis Bevel. Yeah, he he really didn't look great last week. Um, clearly, after that injury to Dylan Gabriel, he I don't I don't know what his stats were, but that was a blowout. Maybe we're seeing a bit of a changing of the guard, you know. I mean, Kansas is the new Oklahoma, right? I wouldn't I wouldn't go with Kansas, Kansas, but uh, just the coaches that oh, college football is such a coaches dominant sport. Like if you have a great coach and a great program, you're going to be successful. And from the Stoops era to then Lincoln Riley, who's the new shining toy that everyone you know just loves, and he is a good coach. Well, he got handed the keys to the Ferrari. Correct. It's not like he had to build anything. Correct. There. But he had he at least has the offensive mind and schematics to come up with a great offensive game plan and you know like i just don't know if venables is really that guy for they OU. need to hire lincoln riley's little brother brother from tcu tcu see the big 12 this year which is very interesting you got the two kansas teams sitting atop the conference but tcu's it, not good they're not max duggan's still their quarterback I, w- I mean i would definitely have oklahoma state oklahoma above. state that they're probably the best team in the let big me tell 12 you, for me as my, right now well my, let me can, let me just finish this real quick okay, and then go uh I just want to say that I think you can make an argument the Big Twelve is the deepest conference right now in the in the in all out of all the conferences. As far as I'm not at the very high end, you're still going to have probably the SEC and the Big Ten ranked above them, maybe uh, as far as the top teams. But all the way down, um, the Big Twelve's eighth, ninth team. Like when you're talking, like that's OU right now. I definitely you know, say they're they're ahead a very of the Big deep 10. conference ahead of know? the Big Ten. The Big Ten's trash this year. Even the SEC, like I mean. You know, we talk about like, uh, I don't know. I mean, Mississippi State's better, and they're probably the fifth best team in that conference. Man, what's happening in all these like conferences? I don't like the dick suck of the SEC. Man. <laughs> me either. Fuck trust them. me. <laughs> We're just getting into like conference play where everybody's starting to beat each other up and eat each other alive. Like, you see, you know, uh, Alabama go and beat Arkansas. It's like, well, one of those teams has to lose, and Arkansas loses to A&M. And it's just like, that's just the nature of having good teams play each other. Uh, week in and week out, is that teams have to lose. Like, hey, Mike Leach squad, they're still undefeated, aren't they? Um, they have not, one loss. I think one loss. I know that Ole Miss is undefeated. I'm not sure about Mississippi State. I mean, Ole Miss isn't. Ole Miss and Kentucky. Did y'all watch that game? Uh, no, I did not get to watch that game. Just Kentucky Ole. threw that game away. They fumbled on the goal line twice, but. Yeah, uh, I know Tennessee is undefeated in the SEC. I know there's there's good teams in all the divisions. I think the Big Twelve is proving to be a little deeper than you know, it is it was it was objectively looked at at the beginning of the season. Um, it's just a it's just a bias I think people have um, based on a lot of factors, whether it's talent going into the NFL or offensive scheme or just you know small town you know little podunk western you know. Your Kansas, your 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 uh, Lawrence, Kansas, your Manhattan, Kansas, your Lubbock, Texas, you know these places, Ames, Iowa. Yeah, you're like these just, just these places who which you assume can't uh, can't be competitive. Stillwater, Oklahoma, um, versus you know the 
the teams in the Big Ten and the and SEC. Well, the, a lot of those teams in the SEC are also in small towns. They're also in podunk small towns too. Sure, uh, Starkville, Mississippi, you know. Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah, but um, either way, uh, the bias is there. I think the Big Twelve is proving to be more competitive. Uh, we'll again, we'll have our bowl season, you know, uh, record against everybody. I know everybody likes to likes to talk about that when the time comes. Ultimately, I think the Big 12 is still pretty wide open. Uh, Texas, you know, they're one and one, um, which, you know, tough loss to Texas Tech. But you control your own destiny in the sense that as long as you keep winning games, you're going to be all right. Uh, it all starts this week. OU's on the table. It's in Dallas. You know, it'll be sold out. It'll be 50-50. Um, despite not being ranked, despite both teams possibly being with backup quarterbacks, um, it's all you know. It's still gonna have live up. To the, it's still gonna live up to the hype and have all the things you want. There are still great players on both sides of the ball for both teams, and um, you know, two coaches who are you know both in. You know, Sark's in his second year. Venables in his first year. Uh, you know, these coaches are gonna have to feel each other out. Um, I think it'll come a lot down to coaching. Uh, I don't expect Texas to just blow Oklahoma out of the water. Uh, I've never seen them really do that. Uh, I've seen it the other way. But you know, it's a different era, and um, it's just really important that Texas doesn't turn the ball over. They run it efficiently, and you know they just don't beat themselves. All right, prediction time. Corey? Deep Te breath. Deep breath. I, I wish I had the – I know the spread. I wish I had the over-under in front of me. But I'm going to say let's go Texas 38, Oklahoma. Wait for it. You ready? Ready. 27. Cover the spread. 11. Okay. I'm Joe. going 31 27 Texas. I'm going 28 to 7 Texas. And if Ewers plays, three or four touchdown passes from Ewers. Ooh, I don't know about that. But I'm going, if we're doing stats, if we're doing props here, I'm going Bijan. 25 for 195, three touchdowns. I would love that, but they haven't shown that they're going to give them that many touches. It's Oklahoma. They're they need to. But what they need to do, not just hand, a, hand the ball off up the middle to him, get him involved in the damn passing game. Look how Alabama's using Gibbs, like nine catches in a game. Like, that's what Bijan, he has that skill set. Why not use it? Yeah. You know, get him in the open field against some DBs, you know, make him, let him make, make a miss. All right, boys. Well, we got some announcements uh, for our show schedule moving forward. Uh, so we'll continue to put out shows during the afternoon around 3, 4 o'clock on Wednesday afternoons. And that's going to be um, more of a preview moving forward uh, for the NFL slate. Uh, we'll be, still be talking MLB through the playoffs, and we'll be previewing the Longhorns games and the rest of the college football games. Uh, just gives us a little bit more time to get everything in before the weekend. And then on Sundays, uh, we'll be doing a little live reaction uh you know, just covering the scores, talking about the scores from Saturday, talking about Texas from Saturday, um, and, you know, just doing doing something on Sundays to get you all some more content. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Uh, I think, you know, uh, moving into the thick of this football season, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, we're a bit constrained on time, but um, we're going to start bringing you all double doses each week. Um, hope you all uh, follow us on all our social media platforms. Uh, you know, we're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, YouTube, if you want to see our faces, YouTube, if you care. If you you know want to watch the the full uh, the full production, yeah. Uh, and I think on Sundays uh, we'll be on Twitch. I think is the plan as of right now, just so we can get um, 
I don't know if you all have listened before. I'm sure some of our listeners have to football karaoke with Shay and Bill Davis from the past. Uh, we might be doing something similar to that with the music in the background, you know, uh, handing off mics, and I think it'd be a lot cooler on Twitch. So, yeah, uh, make sure to give us a follow and like, and for Ty Henderson, Shay Holt, Corey Gidry, we are the Lone Star Loadout. Okay. Go get OU.